Well, it's a lot of people. It's great to see everyone here today as we celebrate this uh, special day at IBCD. And as you know, we're celebrating our uh, 30th uh, anniversary as a church. And uh, as Miney has already mentioned, and I'm sure it was in several of your prayers, you know, who we are here today, sitting here today, is just a small fraction of the number of people who have been a part of IBC over the years, come through the doors uh, over the years, and uh, a lot of people who have participated in the health and the growth and the survival of the church uh, who aren't able to be here physically with us today, but we're thankful for how each one of those folks represents uh, a stone upon which uh, we have been built and a, a kind of a, an Ebenezer, a, a, a memorial of memory of what people have been doing uh, through the power of Jesus Christ uh, and the Holy Spirit in IBCD. I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out what I was going to say today regarding, you know, our 30th anniversary because 30 is kind of an interesting year for many people. If you've, those of you who have been there and have visited 30 and have moved on past it, uh, some of you probably remember what it was like when you entered your 30th uh, year, that it was, yeah, it, was, it was a transitional year for a lot of us. And no, it certainly was for me. Uh, when I turned 30, I had been a pastor for a year at that point. Uh, I had been, more importantly, I was a, a new dad for one year at that point. Uh, my 20s had began with me being a university student. Uh, in my 20s, I had gotten married. I had joined the Peace Corps with my wife. I'd gone back to school. And by the time I finished seminary, I was 29. I was coming close to 30. And I felt like there was a lot more responsibility. There was a lot more expectations to fill. And sure enough, on my 30th birthday, as I looked around, I was leading a church for the first time. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was a new dad. After about a year, was still trying to figure out what I was doing there. I found that, that turning 30 was a much bigger adjustment and, and the expectations of living like an adult now was even bigger than the adjustment I made when I got married. I got married at 22 and it was pretty easy. Uh, my wife and I didn't have kids for the first seven years we were married and it was, it was a very easy transition. But turning 30 was a, a different story. It just was a lot more being an adult. And in Jewish tradition, when a person is 30, they're considered to have lived long enough to lead. In the Mishnah, which is a, uh, a, a kind of a, a commentary on the Talmud, which is a commentary on the Torah, uh, the Mishnah says that when a, when a Jewish synagogue is looking for a leader to lead during the high holidays to be the cantor and things like that, one of the qualities is there to be at least 30 years old. And the reason for that is that they say, and this is, this, is a quote, this is a quote from the mission, it says, because a 30-year-old is humble and brokenhearted. And they can sincerely pray from the heart. And I found this idea interesting, you know, that, that uh, this idea of being humble and brokenhearted. Because on, the other, on one hand, I think it's true that for many of us who've been through the 30th year of our life and I know some of you are still, it's coming up on you. We often feel like as we enter into this adulthood stage that there are some things it's time for us to set aside. There may be even some dreams in our teenage years or our early adulthood. Like if, 
We were hoping to be a professional athlete. If it hasn't happened by the time we're 30, it's probably not going to happen. Unless you're a long-distance runner, which I don't have any idea what that would be like and hope to never find out. If you're ever in a band, some of, some of us were in bands when we were younger, you know, we were going to be the next, you know, big, big act, the next U2 out there or whatever. If it hasn't happened by the time you're 30, it's probably not going to happen. And you put that aside. And also, for some, if you did something while you're young in your life, like if you joined the military when you were 18 or 19, oftentimes by the time you're 30, you've seen some things. A lot of people whom I graduated from high school from back in the day joined the military when they were 18 and 19 years old. By the time they were 30, they'd already seen a war in Kuwait, and there was another one that was looming on the horizon for them that was going to last for a long time. The main reason I didn't continue with academia, I shared with you this last week, was because as I was approaching 30, I felt like I just kind of needed to get on with life. I needed to start living as a real adult. This particular passage started to mean a lot to me. It said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And I think that speaks to a lot of us as we've gone through life and we're entering into this place when we entered into our 30s. So what does it mean then for IBCD to turn 30? You know, when I, I, came, when I came to IBCD, this church, the church was 18 years old. If you looked at the church like a person, it had gone through a fairly stable childhood, but it had had a tumultuous teenage experience. It had gone through a lot of ups and downs through its teenage years. Pastoral leadership wasn't very stable at that time. There was a lot of conflicts going on within the church. There had been a lot of heartbreak. And the 20s, when we went into those 20s, the 20s were some growing up years for the church. We stabilized leadership. We developed systems. We developed ministries. We ended some ministries. We saw a lot of people come through the doors over those years. Some of them stayed. Some of the people stayed. Some were only here for a few years. And in those 20 years, though, it was by no means easy. There were ups and downs. There were hopes. And there were heartbreaks. But one of the things that I've come to believe is that God looks out for IBCD. He looks out for this church. Because there's a lot of times when people would have written off IBCD's future. Said it's just too damaged. It's too done. But at 30, IBCD is now the parent of another church. We are a young parent church, like a lot of you are, young parents. We came through COVID, which was a, just kind of a, a worldwide, you know, difficult thing to get through. But we came through it, and we learned a lot in it. It wasn't just a time of, of loss and, and difficulty. We learned how to use technology better. We learned how we could be more present in people's lives. And as you saw, we have a whole bunch of children. We're a church that's blessed with a lot of children and a lot of people that invest their lives into them because they're that next generation of faith. And you look around with the way the world is going, it's not getting any easier to be a Christian. We've become far more international than we used to be when I first arrived. 
I shared with you last week, but some of you, you know, obviously weren't here last week because we weren't this full. And, uh, you know, one of the things that happened over the, those, in our 20s is that we had a significant group of people from the United States. All their companies pulled them out of, the U, uh, out of Europe and put them back into the United States. And it was a concern for me. It happened about when we were about 20, 21, 22, right in those kind of early time I was here. And it was a concern on a lot of different levels. One, they were very involved, those group of Americans. Also, they were givers. They were tithers. And I kind of wondered how we were going to survive this and what it would mean to us. And what ended up happening is we became more international. We became what we are today. You look around. We weren't dominated by any one particular group. We became more international. We had giving actually go up. God takes care of IBCD. And today we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a time of prayer, more of a, an official time of prayer of commissioning for uh, the, the people who are going to be joining the new church plant in Essen. We're going to be baptizing seven people today. There's a lot to celebrate in the way that God has been taking care of IBCD. But there's going to be some big challenges ahead. You know, as we look into the next 30 years, it's not just challenges for IBCD. It's challenges for the church in general. Because I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure most of you have, the world is getting a little bit tense you know, we have a war going on in Europe with a frustrated and nuclear-armed power. I think that makes a lot of us a little bit nervous. Not, not so much that I think we're stressing out waking up every day. That's the first thing we think about. I think as human beings, we have a remarkable capacity to take something and kind of put it on a shelf and not think about it. But it's a little bit worrying. Sociologists say that we are undergoing a worldwide shift in population. One of the great worldwide migrations of people is taking place now, and it's been taking place for the last 10 years, and it's projected to continue to take place, especially as we deal with things like climate change, which is going on, and we're not too sure how that's going to affect things like water availability, food security, energy, and a host of other things. And Germany has been a nation that has felt that impact of migration. All the nations have, but Germany's taken in a lot of folks. And a lot of you have been impacted by it. A lot of you are the result of migration. I have to often remind folks, I'm an immigrant too. I'm an Auslander <laughs> when it comes to my life here in Germany. And one of the biggest changes that I think we're all going through is that just the simple concept of truth is radically shifting. It's becoming more and more subjective. It's becoming more and more of just what you want to make it to be, how you define it. We can't even agree as a, as a Western society anyway. We can't even agree on what a man and what a woman is anymore. We've shifted basic truths to the point that we just can't even agree on what's in front of us. And civility within politics, honesty within politics, honesty and civility within industry, even sometimes within the church, is becoming a quaint notion of the past. Because everyone gets to live their own truth. So how do you measure honesty when everyone's living their own truth? But you know what? Every generation has faced challenges. Every generation 
Every generation has always thought that they're it. They look at the world and they say, how could it possibly get any worse? Every generation. Our grandparents, my grandparents' generation, and many of you here, your grandparents, and maybe some of your parents' generation faced, you know, the Second World War, where the whole world was at war. And everyone looked around and said, how can it possibly be any worse? And yet we got through that difficult time. And until Christ returns, we know that we will always face challenges. And it's not as though challenge is going to go away because we have an enemy that is pretty relentless. I need some help here with my technology. <laughs> First Peter tells us, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But then instead of just getting sad about it, the scripture says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world and your sisters throughout the world, and we can even add in there, your brothers and sisters throughout history have undergone and are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And one of the ways that we resist the devil and stand firm in our faith is we move forward the kingdom of God. We don't just sit back and try to hang on to what we have and survive, but we push into that resistance and we move forward. We try and take ground from the enemy. We don't just try and hang on to what we have. We push into it. We take it back. Not by our own strength, but by Christ's strength. And one of the ways that we have had the privilege of doing that recently is we've been privileged to be part of a church plant. We had the privilege of being a parent church. And being a parent church is kind of the same as being a parent at all. You know, when you have kids, it's one of the discussions people have now is, do you even want to bring children into this world? Right? People have that discussion. And some people look at the world and they go, it's just too crazy. I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to bring kids into the world. And to have a child in the world is a, is a sign of hope and trust. It's a belief that there is going to be a future for them. And as a parent, you're going to walk with your child. And as the community around them, be it their biological family or like a family of faith, is going to prepare them and strengthen them to go into a future which is going to be more difficult than ours. Just like my future, our current reality in the church and in the world is more difficult when it comes to truth and morality than it was in my parents' grandparents' time. And so as we move ahead as a church, we have had the opportunity to be part of this. And the church plant in Essen isn't something that came just off the top of our head about six months ago, something we've been praying about for ever since I've arrived at IBCD. I've been praying about it. And it's one of those things that when God brought the fruit, when it was time for that fruit to come, to be picked, we just kind of slid into it, and it's been as smooth a start as I've ever seen the church plant be. And I don't take any credit for that. I, take, I give the credit to Christ first, but also to everyone who's been a part of that. And so what we want to do right now is we want to pray for those who are a part of that church plant. I want to ask them to come, come up, and, uh, and, the, and they come up, we're going to gather around them, lay hands on them, pray for them, bless them, and give them the, the blessing of, of this parent church to that to the church plant. And so I want everyone who's involved in it to come on up and to stand up here 
and, uh, and we're going to uh, pray for them. Maybe if someone has the mic, we can pray as we hand that around. But come on up. Don't be, uh, don't be shy. And then, Gary, I'm going to ask you to come up onto the stage with me. Once you go there. So I want to, I'm presenting this kind of to all you guys, but I'm giving it to Ngewe. <laughs> so in the Bible, the staff is often seen as a sign of authority and a sign of strength. And uh, this particular branch comes from our property. So it's a sign that uh, the church in Essen is a branch from IBCD. And it's a strong branch. There's symbols on it. The symbols that kind of look like fish also are the alphas, and you have the omega in the back. The cross on it, it's three embedded crosses. And the verse on it is from Joshua, which is Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua. 1.9, which says, Haven't I already told you what you need to do? Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Because the Lord is with you wherever you go. And I want to give this also to you in Gateway as kind of a sign of my own personal approval as a workman found worthy. And, uh, and when I made it, there's this, this was just one mistake on top of mistake after mistake. None of this turned out the way I was expecting it <laughs> up here. But it looks pretty cool. <laughs> so let's pray and uh i'll start it actually i won't start us out let's have someone from uh the church body start us out in prayer and then i'll be closing and i also want to say to everyone who's been involved in this you know, we hate to see any of you go, but we're glad to see you go and start a new work to glorify God. Some of you are going to stay in essence. Some of you will go work there for a while, come back maybe. We don't know. We don't know what that future is, but we do know that uh, as long as you keep together and your eyes stay on Christ, this church plant will be something that glorifies God. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And there'll be times it'll be tough. There'll be times when it's going to struggle. And there's going to be times when you need to really pull together. And as we, as we talk about marriage a lot of times, being in relationship, you know, what God has brought together, don't let anyone tear asunder. It's kind of the same with this. He's brought you together. He's given you guys a vision to plant this church. Don't let any person or idea or anything get in the way and cause you to tear asunder. Think of this church as a baby. It needs a lot of care, it needs a gentleness, it needs guidance, and you guys can do this. I know you can. And in Gary, you know, you're the, you're the last standing elder at the moment. <laughs> but I think as us giving our best is what God always wants from us, and we trust him. 
And IVCD is going to be fine. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen. So let's pray. So why don't we have someone start out for us? And if you want to stand up and gather around him, you can, or you can just stand where you're, uh, pray where you're at, whatever you guys want to do. And Gary also has a microphone. If someone wants to take that to pray, he can do so. A couple of months back, um, I came as a new uh, attendee of this church. Uh, I was hurt. I was broken. Stefano, Sandra, Ngiwe, Jeff, and many of you came uh, alongside me. I shared my burdens, my worries with you. And you loved upon me, and you loved upon my wife. And Jesus said, you will be known for how you love one another. And I can just say, this is a place where there's much love in Christ. So Father God, I thank you that your love is evident in each one of these children of yours. I thank you, Father God, that you have called them into a work that you have purposed and predestined for them. Jesus, when you left earth and you went to your Father, you did not leave us forsaken, but you said that you will send us a helper. And I pray, Father God, that your helper Holy Spirit, Ruach Elohim, will be with them, that you will teach them, that you will guide them, that you will protect them. You will be their shield, you will be their fortress. And I pray that you will go before them, straighten their path. And Father, may your love be poured out into their lives and through their lives to touch many. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this church in Essen, Lord. We thank you for yeah, this new light that you've planted there. We pray that you would continue to increase its brightness, that many would be drawn to it, Lord, that many would find hope and salvation in this church, O oh Lord, that they would continue to grow in wisdom and strength and numbers, but that you would always stay the center and the focus of this church, O oh Lord. We pray for each one of us, um, yeah, who's here left at IBCD, that you'd also encourage and strengthen us, Lord, to give out of our own resources to support them, to keep, continue to pray for them, O oh Lord, and to uh, yeah, help and sustain them, O oh Lord. We thank you for each one of the people that are involved in this church plan, and we pray that you continue to bless them and grow them and encourage them, Lord, even when times are tough. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Heavenly Father, blessed be your holy name, Father God, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much that your Holy Spirit is here alive. We thank you so much for the new planted church in Essen, for our brothers and sisters that took this step and prayed faithful for so many years. And 
it came, the breakthrough came, Father God. We pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to be with our brothers and sisters and will be alive like your Holy Spirit is alive in this church, Father God, that many people will be touched and that the church will increase in numbers, Father God, because you are drawing your children to yourself. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this um, church that you are planting, Lord, and pray that you please go before them. I pray that you anoint and give me with power from from on high and fill him with your Holy Spirit that he will stand up for the truth and lead the congregation. I pray for all my brothers and sisters here and those that are going to join them to shine your light and show the love of Christ in the neighborhood and reach out to all those who are suffering, brokenhearted, without hope, Lord, that they will find hope in you. I thank you for all these precious children of God. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've been so faithful to IBCD for 30 years, and we pray that you will do the same for IBC Essen, that you be faithful and give them wisdom and strength and the hard times and lots and lots of joy in the good times when they see more people coming and that your name will be glorified there in Essen as well, just as we do here. And we give you all the glory on this day today in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the work you, you started so long ago in Essen, for the many, many people um, who have been a part of that. Some who couldn't be here today, but... Um, we know that they were just such a crucial part in this start that inviting people to come here, inviting people to come to the home group, and just um, the time that so many people have spent, the the family they've already become in essence, that you would grow them into a bigger family of yours um, as you bring others in. In Jesus' name I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the growth in your kingdom that we can see through this church plant in Essen. We thank you and we praise you for we know you are faithful. You will never let us down. You will never leave us nor forsake us. I just commit my brothers and sisters into your loving hands, the ones that you have chosen to work on this house of worship in Essen. Oh, Father, you know, as humans, we fail, we falter, we doubt, we question, we have differences. Father, I pray that you will unite them in your spirit through the bond of peace, that they will remember that they are doing this for you, for your glory, Lord, to save people who are in the dark. We pray that you will anoint them, that you will empower them, enable them, and equip them, Lord, to do the good works that you have called them to do, which you have prepared in advance, for, to advance Lord. We just thank you that you, O oh Lord, know the needs that you are able to Help them and strengthen them and guide them. Help them to rely on you, trust you, cling to you, and just obey you, Father. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Father God, we want to echo all these prayers and we support these prayers. Lord God, as uh, leadership in this particular church body of the International Baptist Church of Dusseldorf. We just thank you. Thank you that you've allowed us to be part of a growing part of your kingdom's work. 
that you've allowed us over the years to see people come to know you as Lord and Savior. You've allowed us to uh, witness their baptisms, watch their growth. Lord, that you have allowed us to bring them, a lot of people, into different places of, of growth and discipleship and leadership over the years. And Lord, that uh, you have this work that is taking place in Essen. And we thank you that it's taking place out of love and out of joy. That, that there is no acrimony, there's no uh, church plant because a bunch of people are angry here and want to go start something else, which often does happen. But instead, we have this happening in the best way possible, where there's a need, there are hearts that are drawn to that need, and we can bless and be part of that. And what a privilege it is. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I lift up to you, uh, in particular, my brother here in Gawi. And Lord, I pray that uh, you will give him, I know he already has that humble heart. I know that he's a man of wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would protect him and protect all that are in this leadership group, this group that is really the, the backbone of this new church. God, you protect them from the enemy who does prowl around like a roaring lion, who does want to tear down uh, this, this uh, church while it's young, just like he went after uh, Jesus when he was young. You know, he goes after these new lives, these new places of hope. But we pray in Jesus' name that you will protect them all. But you would protect these folks in leadership in particular as they have a bigger target on their back. And Lord, we know that greater is he that is in us through the power of the Holy Spirit than he that is in the world. And we don't just say that. We trust that. We rely upon that. And Lord, pray that uh, you would help Ngewi to uh, just keep his eyes on you. Uh, I know that he leads with a group of people. I know that he understands that. But I also know that he's a little bit out there on the end of the branch himself, having been there myself uh, for a long time. And uh, Lord, I know how beneficial it is to bring people around him that can support him and be people that listen, that he can bounce ideas off of, that he can be open with without fear of reprisal or someone getting uh, upset with something. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring around him the kind of people you brought around me that uh, were people I could trust and I could walk with and talk with and who spoke into my life. Lord, may you bring those people into Ngewi's life. And Lord, I thank you and look forward to, uh, to this relationship between the International Baptist Church of Dusseldorf and the International Baptist Church of Essen. That was not just we're kicking them to the curb and like a bird getting kicked out of the nest and told to fly, but instead we'll walk together, listen together, uh, celebrate together, grieve together when that's necessary. And Lord, that we will truly be sister churches, that we, where we are together in this as the brides of Christ. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we lift uh, your anointing and ask it to be upon everyone here, but in particular also for Ngewi. That anointing of authority, the anointing of wisdom, the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit to be in a place of leadership. And Lord, we thank you for, for everyone that's been involved, all the, the time and effort they've already put in. Lord, we thank you for those joyous hearts. We thank you for everyone here that has really uh, already committed so much. Lord, make their path straight. Make their way clear. Give them strength when it comes to times of adversity. Give them faith when it comes to times where it feels like there is no other way to go and they're at a loss. 
May they remember your love and your faithfulness. You brought them this far. You're not a God that brings us to some place just to fail. Failure is only when we choose not to follow you. And may they know that and trust that and lean into it as they face different struggles, knowing that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. We praise you. We thank you. And we humbly lift up these folks to you in this church. May you bless them. May you bless the church. May you foster it. We look forward to the day when they celebrate their 30th anniversary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Um, I'll take my seat in a moment. Um, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you, first of all, to God um, for bringing us on this journey, for laying the path and calling us to follow. Um, my faith has been strengthened by this, and I'm continuing to learn a lot. Uh, thank you to Pastor Jeff for extending the right hand of fellowship. Um, yeah, for mentoring me, for working with me all these nine years. I've been, well, 11 at IBCD and nine years as an elder at IBCD. Um, it's been a training ground, a proving ground, and I'm grateful for the time, for the brotherhood. Um, yeah, for the trust um, that you've also shown in me uh, to develop these qualities in me as well. And I thank you to IBCD um, for the love in this church. Um, as Anton shared earlier, it's just... It's amazing um, to have so many people carry you in their hearts and pray for you and lift you up and call you and encourage you and in those times when you're feeling low to have the people there. And it's been a blessing to work at IBCD. And when you were describing the process of the stick, uh, it reminded me of IBCD. We start off with a lot of things and they don't work out as we plan. <laughs> we, we take detours, but the end result is beautiful nonetheless. And because uh, when God is in it, you know, who, when, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so I'm grateful for this. I would cherish it. And um, I would take it with me. And thank you for the people in Essen, uh, the core team. We've had lots of people who have been on the journey now for almost a year. And some people started out just to help for a while. And I'm grateful. Um, they helped us, you know, to do the feasibility study, to get things off the ground. And other people came in and took things from there. And I'm sure as they rotate, more people will come in. And I'm grateful to all of you uh, for the work you put in, for the hours that we spend week after week, um, the amount of learning we've had to do. It's incredible the amount of time we've all put into this. And I'm really, really grateful for you guys. And also a shout out to Andre and uh, Andre Hoopet and Anne Magno, who couldn't be here today. Um, it's also been, um, yeah, a brother and sister that have worked very closely with me on this. And I'm really grateful for that. And we continue to lift you up, uh, IBCD, uh, as our mother church. Um, we are grateful for you, and we hope this relationship continues. Um, and uh, just a fun fact, and uh, because of the learning and everything that we've been going through, because we've taken different courses, it's why is it always called the mother church and sister churches and so on? And the reason is because the churches are the bride of Christ, and Christ um, is the bridegroom. And so we are sister churches. And 
God is our father. He's the only one whom we call father. And therefore, we have a mother church and we have daughter churches and we have sister churches. And so, IBC, I'm going to be around. Um, um, not as much, uh, but I will still be around for a while. Next week, we have our elder fireside chat. So I'll bring more updates on what's going on. But I just wanted to say thank you. God bless you. God continue to grow and increase IBCD. Amen. Amen. Another step that we're taking into the future is we're going to be celebrating baptisms today. We're going to do that right now, in fact. Several folks are going to get baptized today, seven people from children to adults, and if they want to start getting changed, they can, because they're going to run through uh, what we taught in our little baptism class, because some of you might not be aware of, of how we uh, approach baptism, and we want to have people who are here as visitors and who are family to understand what is happening. Uh, we are called a Baptist church, uh, but people might assume that because we're Baptists, we like to baptize anything that moves. And uh, the, uh, the opposite is actually the truth. Uh, we're kind of picky about baptism. We believe that baptism is something to be done for as a believer. And it doesn't mean that we think that people have been baptized as, as uh, babies or infants, that anything, there's anything particularly wrong about that. I was baptized as an infant uh, when my parents were attending a, a, a believing church that just had a different tradition when it came to baptism. But we baptize believers. And, I'm gonna, and the reason why we do that is a number, is there's a many, it's because baptism represents so many different things. And it's helpful to, to understand what it is you're being involved in from a conscious point of view. And that consciousness can be in a child, it can be in an adult, as long as you understand kind of what you're doing. You know, when Jesus was baptized, and we won't read through all these scriptures, well, we might. Jesus was baptized, and when he went, it's interesting what he said. He shows up to be baptized, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story. There was a guy named John the Baptizer. He wasn't Baptist in the same way we're Baptist when they say John the Baptist. He was a baptizer, because what the Jews would do back in the day is that whenever there was going to be a movement of God, or even if you had to become ceremonial clean after, you know, being around a dead body or something like that, they would go and they would cleanse themselves. And one of the things they would often do is when a prophet would come and say, there is going to be a movement of God. And if the people want to get ready for that, people get ready. They would come and they would be baptized. They would be made ceremonially clean. And this happened more than once. It's not like our tradition where you're baptized once in your life, maybe twice if you were baptized as an infant. They would do this quite often. And in the story, as many of you probably know, Jesus shows up and, and John the Baptist says, uh, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? And Jesus had an interesting reply. He said, let it be so. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And so what was Jesus doing there? Well, he was entering into the plan of God for the salvation of the world. This was his officially entering into, submitting himself, immersing himself into the plan that God had, into that stream of God, into that river that was going to flow into the future. And you say, well, why would Jesus need to submit to anything? Well, that's kind of Jesus' whole thing. 
Jesus is the very word of God made flesh dwelling among us. If you read the book of Philippians, though, he says that, that he, he didn't see being equal to the Father as something he had to grasp. He already had it. But he chose to empty himself and make himself into a servant, taking upon himself the very nature of humanity. And in that, he became a servant that was obedient even unto death. And so he enters into that place with humility, knowing that this is the plan that God has for him. And then later on, Christianity, Christianity redefines a lot of things. Our whole life is redefined in Christ. When you're a believer in Christ, you're not supposed to just kind of have this head knowledge, but your life is to be transformed. Parts of the scripture says those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It's not just a renovation. It's a complete transformation. And so Christianity redefines things that have been around before Christianity. For example, Christianity redefines marriage. Marriage existed before Christianity. Marriage has been around as long as we know human civilization to have been around but Christianity redefines marriage as a relation, as an illustration, as a picture of our of God's love for the church, the Christ's love for the church, and the church's love for Christ. And Gabe, we just shared that when he says, "Well, why do we say sister churches or mother church? Why do we refer to the church in the feminine? Because the church represents this this uh, relationship with Christ as the bridegroom, and as believers, this is what also our marriages are to represent. So, as Christians, when we enter into a marriage, we enter into it with a little bit of a different understanding than maybe someone that comes from a different background that isn't Christian. That it's not just a social agreement. It's not just about romance. It's not just about convenience or having children. It's about living out for the world to see the kind of love that Christ has for the church and the church has for Christ. A love which is sacrificial on Christ's side. A love which is willing to follow on the church's side. And we also redefined baptism. Baptism as Christians went from being just a symbol of getting ready for the movement of God, but it became also a symbol of unity with the very life of Christ. That where he goes, we go. And that's what it says here. The apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and they're, they're, they're not really understanding you know, who they are in Christ. So he tells me, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were also baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. So for the church, baptism was a symbol of death to self, putting yourself aside to allow the Spirit of Christ to dwell within and to dominate, to be the Spirit through which we live in this world. Now that is a sacrifice that we have to make daily because that's, that human nature within us, it keeps wanting to come back. 
But this is part of what it represents, and that's why we do it by immersion. If you come from a background, you wonder why we do it by immersion. Immersion, first of all, that's how they did it, you know, when Jesus was baptized by John. Baptizo, the word in Greek means to immerse in order to change. And so we do it by immersion because it also represents death, dying, being buried, and then being raised to new life in Christ, and living as a new creation in Christ. Whoop, there's some other slides. I, you, you jumped me off of my, uh, nope. All right, here we go. And then there's this other, oh. <laughs> All right, let me push the button. All right, magic. Ephesians talks about it as a, as a little bit of a different, a different uh, picture. He says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. And in this, the picture is a picture of unity. That we are united with Christ, the one, the only one who's worthy of our praise. We are united with him, and in that also we are united together. In that we walk through this thing together. And that's why we are called a Baptist church, because the idea is, historically, we have some, little, some changes here at IBC, but that the people who make up the membership of the church, who make up the body of Christ, are believers in Christ, baptized believers in Christ. So there's unity. And Galatians has the picture also of, the, of being clothed in Christ. It says, now faith has come. We are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. And when he says you're all sons of God, sometimes in our modern age, we think that that's somehow a... A, uh, a negative thing. Like, what about the daughters? Well, remember, back in the day, that if you were a woman, you did not receive any inheritance. Only sons received the inheritance. And only free people received an inheritance from their father. And so in Christ, what he sees in you is his son. You are clothed in him. And as such, whether you are Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, you have the equal inheritance in Christ. You are seen as sons of God. And so we see in Galatians, the picture of baptism is one of being clothed in the very nature and character of Christ. And finally, in the book of Acts, when the apostle Paul was on his way to Damascus, he got knocked off his donkey and blinded by the presence of God. And it says, a man named Ananias came to see me. This is Paul writing. Actually, it's Luke writing, but he's writing what Paul had to say. He was, he was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by the Jews living there. And he stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. And he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, which is Christ, and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness for all men of what you have seen and heard, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. 
And here we see the symbol of baptism, obviously with the use of water, a symbol of the washing of rebirth. We understand that these waters aren't magic. What we are doing is we are saved by Christ. We are saved by the blood of Christ. We are saved by our faith in him. And that is enough. There is one person in the scripture that, that proclaimed a certain belief in Christ and was assured by Christ that, one, that this very day he would see him in paradise. He didn't have the opportunity to get baptized. And that was the thief on the cross. But unless you're on a cross and you're dying immediately, the normative expectation is to follow in this place of baptism because it represents so many different places of spiritual walking in Christ. And that's what the, our candidates who are being baptized today have chosen to do. They are following Christ in baptism. And they're all kind of, they're different ages, they're different backgrounds. You have Addison, CV. Uh, some of these last names I'm not, I'm not going to get, but uh, <laughs> Annalisa, Mackenzie, we have Josiah, we have Kenny and Taiwo, and uh, you're just going to have to forgive me about the last name on that one. We have Stephen, who's going to be coming first, and of course Daniel, who is uh, well known to us because many of us have seen Daniel when he was still, uh, we knew of Daniel when he was in the womb, uh, Monica and Carson's Daniel uh, Moman Danowitz. Some beautiful things happening today. So we're going to have our candidates come, and we're going to have Stephen come down first and uh, be baptized. And I think that there's, I'm going to go switch out real quick. Uh, if Miney wants to kind of uh, tell people where to stand and what to do, 